All right, we're back, finally. Episode 7 of uh, Nomex Effect, J.R. Todd. Sean Langdon. We, uh, we got a lot of stuff to tackle. We've had a couple races since the last time we've done a show. Let's uh, dive right into it. Where we leave off, Norwalk, I think, uh, was yeah, our uh, next race after our last show, which was an okay race for us. We went to uh, the semifinals and came up a little short again. Can't remember how you guys did. We, uh, what did we do? You won first round. Second round, I think. It's too far, too far long ago to, uh, to remember. (laughs) (laughs) All these races go together. Yeah, you got four in a row, like, you forget a lot. Yeah, you, you kind of get going and get all these races going together. I gotta look now. I'm kind (laughs) of, I forget. We, I, I think after the week that we had in, uh, with New York. Yeah, New York will make you forget a lot of things. New York was after Norwalk, though. Right, exactly. <laughs> I forgot everything before. But yeah, I remember uh, Norwalk. Like we had a, we had a good race there. I went to the semis. New track service there, which was good. Yeah, it was smooth. No, it was awesome. Yeah, actually, I did lose second round to Courtney. Uh, that's right. Yeah, you drilled her. Well, she double bowled me. That's right. That's right. I uh, forgot. About How could race? you forget that? I don't. Re- that I don't remember. Yeah, go ahead and touch on that. Well, yeah, I mean, we actually, Norwalk's an awesome facility. We love racing there. Um, you know, Bader family just does such a great job uh, promoting the race, pushing the race with the track surface. I mean, everything, we had a, a good weekend. It was it was fun. Um, you know, obviously it rained a little bit, so there was uh, kind of mess with the qualifying a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we had a, a good race with Courtney. You know, she... She went in, made a mistake, and, and double bowled it. Uh, it. It happens. We've we've all done that. Obviously, she you know came out afterwards and apologized. Uh, you know that it was an accident, and you know just that's part of racing. But on the flip side of things, it's you know I I noticed that that she had done that. I saw her pre stage go on uh, right after Nikki had told me to go in. Saw her pre stage go on, and then I saw her uh, her stage bulb it flickered on off and then went back on. So I, I kind of knew she, you know, too big of a chunk just, yeah, exactly. And that, and that happens. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We've, we've all been on both ends of that. Um, but at that point, you know, they've had, they've had a great race car this year. Um, she's done a great job driving. Um, so I, at that point I I felt like, uh, the best advantage for me and for my team, um, was to, uh, just put the fuel pump on, let the clutch out, and, and go right in behind her. Um, caught her a little off guard. She was 111. Typically, she's a little better than that. She's uh, typically second round on. She's she's a 70 player on the tree, 60s. Yeah, she's pretty good right there, I'd say, with class average. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was able to get a little bit out of out of the reaction time, gain 300s out of that. Um, made it a close race. Uh, they just they had a good car, made a great run. Uh, I mean, they were low ET by over three hundreds on that round. Um, but I at least made a race out of it. So it, it was cool. That's kind of the upward trend of what we've been doing lately. Yeah. Then we stayed over and ran on, uh, on Monday and tried some different things, which I feel like testing is always productive when you can try some things that you don't want to want to do during the race. So I was glad that we got to uh, do that because we probably won't get to test again until Indy test right before the U S nationals, which for you, it's good seat time also. Yeah, I mean, for me, any time I, I can make laps, obviously with the big change this year driving funny car, 
just making laps down the track and kind of getting that feel for it. And obviously on Monday with having a little bit less pressure, you're able to, you know, kind of really focus in on a couple certain aspects of the, of the car of, of different things that you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, we, we had a great test session, uh, worked good for us. I mean, I think, uh, both of us, uh, we had a great test session and, you know, able to capitalize out of that. Obviously everybody always has those Monday nationals though. I, I think everybody always, typically you, you walk out of, of testing and say, all right, we're yeah, on to we, something. Yeah. We got them right where we want them now. Yeah. Which I mean, I went and watched uh, a couple cars when we weren't running and Robert went like 390 something during the heat. And I'm like, Oh boy, like they got figured out, which they uh, went to Epping and, and ran pretty good there. And I think they stumbled on Sunday, but he even says like, yeah, we had a really good test session. So, he feels that way that, you know, they capitalize on something, which I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Uh, Matt Hagen, we saw, like, they ran that new uh, Charger body, which is pretty interesting looking, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And obviously they uh, they must have saw something in that because uh, from what I heard, they're going to start running it in Denver this weekend. Yeah, and it's got the big, uh, uh, what do you call it, splitter on the front, which Denver, I feel like, is a good place for that because there's not a lot of downforce there. I remember last year there – get to a certain point down track you hit a little bump or whatever and the fronting gets real light and you're steering like this and nothing's happening like given all the input you want it's just like carrying the front end like oh boy it's fun but on the same time you're like come on get back on the ground so is that uh insight that i need to pick him for my fantasy team this week (laughs) yeah i i don't know i'm just i'm just telling you maybe uh prepare for some wheel stands up there possibly well i'm trying to figure out hagan's one two in a row yeah, but Denver's kind of a crapshoot. Denver is always a crapshoot. Every class. I mean, every class you go up there. It used to it, not be for pro stock, though. Well, Alan Johnson yeah, used to win every gone. week. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, from what you've learned throughout the year, what you've tested in Norwalk, what you've done the last couple of races, and then you go to Denver, everything's out the window. I mean, uh, you change everything in the motors and how you run the car, and so it's – you're running on a mountain. yeah. I, I remember last year we we kind of struggled in uh, the midpoint of the season throughout the summer, just uh, couldn't make a three second run for whatever reason. And so everybody's like, you know, you know what? We'll get to Denver and like we'll finally make a three second run. Like we hadn't done it in four or five races. Sure enough, I think we went like ninety eight in Q three or Q four up there in Denver, which I mean, it's hard to make horsepower up there. And we make one of our best runs that we made in the last four or five races. But just shows if you got good notes to go back on, I think for there that you know you could be on to something. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Denver's always awesome to go to. I, I love going there. The Bandemir family does a great job um, promoting the, their track. The crowds are always great. I love doing Friday night. Yeah, I, I think Friday night uh, qualifying Q two is always awesome. I mean, it's packed. It is absolutely packed. But what will be really interesting is to see with how the, the track has changed things this year on the track prep side of things. Um, but with how they have, what is it, the first uh, couple hundred feet? Yeah, they have the water like coolers. 300 feet or so, I'm, I think. So what will be interesting is, is to see with, with the temperature of the track that they're able to adjust. Right. Because obviously – when it's gotten hotter, you've seen a lot more tire smoke. When you've when it's gotten cooler, you've seen some great runs. Still, regardless 
of how much spray is going on the track. So it'll be interesting to see with, okay, they're going to cool it down to X amount of temperature, and then that's going to be awesome. And then to see what happens after that, if that's going to be a big transition, is that going to be from going to a cool track to a hot track on the different track prep? How is that going to change? Is that going to be better? Is it going to be worse? It's going to be interesting for the crew chiefs, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be real interesting there because looking at the forecast, from what I see, it's going to be hot, like in the 90s. Right. So the Friday night run is going to be key. And then, like you said, with that, uh, the track cooling system, like you're probably going to have to get after it Friday night just to uh, get your spot on the ladder because Saturday it's going to be – I don't think we – I'm pretty sure we run during the day, I'm sure, unless right. it's going to rain again like it did last year. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be hot and nasty. And then you factor in the, the track prep. It's just a whole new element that uh, we haven't had to deal with up there on the mountain. But, I mean, I remember 2006 going there and running, and the track was almost – 140 degrees and i don't think anybody made it down first round like that was the first time i ever had to pedal a top fuel car and like every round except the final round like you're on and off the gas it's just a matter of survival which i think that could be uh the case again this year yeah and you know what's been kind of crazy is uh you've kind of seen the trend going the last few races uh or majority of the races this year that qualifying is even more crucial on that q2 because if you don't make a good run Q1, you're not able to run in the back of the pack for Q2. And if you don't make a good run Q2, the chances of you qualifying in the top half slim up pretty good. If you don't get in the top half on Friday night, you're banking that you have to have a cloud cover on Saturday in order to get into the top half. Right, and it's not so much that... I would say lane choice matters at a lot of these tracks that we've been to lately, but you still want to be in the top half, even I'd say the top five, because Sunday you don't want to be at the back first round to where, you know, the the lower you're qualified with lane choice, you're at the back just because you got, you know, last pick to pick uh, what pair you want to run. Right. Where it's beneficial for funny cars. They want to run early, not later. Correct. So typically how they do that is based off of your qualifying number, you, if you're a number one qualifier, you get first pick on your pairing. So you have eight pairs. So if you're a number one qualifier, you may pick second or third pair. Um, and then it kind of goes on down the line. So if you're eighth qualifier, you get last pick. Typically, you're stuck being eighth pair. Um, so you get the hotter part of the track and also on the turnaround time. Yeah, that, you, you get screwed there. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes uh, a lot harder for the crew guys to – uh, you know, get the car on the turnaround, especially when we go to live TV, we right. shorten up the turnaround times. Um, and it really puts you in a bind that, you know, you can't have anything go wrong because when you're completely disassembling a motor, the blower, the clutch, taking everything apart, putting it all back together. And then you have one little hiccup, you go to warm it up and say you, you have bad coils or the thing doesn't start or something like that. It really narrows up that process of elimination that you have to fix it yeah and even you know say uh if there's an oil down in the pairs ahead of you like that just benefits the team the teams that run in front of you more and more than it kind of screws you more and more because you've got less time exactly yeah so you really you really have to and that that's stuff that happens i mean on, on race day you got some oil downs and nothing you could do to control that so yeah i mean obviously there's a lot more i think uh with how things are you take saturday that's more of fine-tuning your race day setup. But you really use Friday. Friday typically is going to determine the majority of, of the qualifying order. And then 
you know, if you're in the top half, obviously you're just going to utilize Saturday to get your race day tune up. Now, if you're in the bottom half, then you may have a little different change of, of pace where, you know, Hey, we just need to make the best run possible that we can for the track, maybe back it off just a hair to make sure we get down the track so we can try to get up. You know, you don't want to be stuck at obviously not qualified, but you right. don't want to get stuck at, you know, 14, 15, 16, get the top three guys, you know, try to get up 11 or 12 to where, you know, get the best draw possible. Yeah, for sure. One thing we kind of jumped ahead of ourselves going back and recapping races, Norwalk, uh, Epping, which was a really good race for you guys. Yeah. Epping was awesome. Uh, you know, we had our best qualifying effort of the year, qualified third, uh, went to the semis. Um, I mean, you made they, one of those elusive three-second runs in qualifying. Those how, are hard to come by. How about that shit? <laughs> those are hard to come by, man. Man, and uh, you know, At over three hundred miles an hour. Get some. <laughs> We're coming for your ass now. <laughs> now we got the three-second tune-up. I know what it feels like. Now we, I've actually made some uh, in the beginning of the year, um, but. For me, you know, and we were talking about this uh, a couple races ago, is obviously when you're a fan, it's awesome to see these 380 runs at 330 plus miles an hour. For me as a driver, being a new driver, I'm not terribly upset about these cars only going 405 at 315. It's, I know you want, you'd much rather be going 380s at 390 or at 330 miles an hour. But right. If things don't change by next year, I'm going to come back and pull up this episode. That, well, my opinion will change because I will have a lot more laps. But for me right now, I'm just, I'm trying to understand how these cars work and I'm trying to figure out how they drive and what they, the, the feels of everything. And so going from a 390 run at 330 miles an hour to now going 405 at 315, it's, just that little bit has slowed the run down enough to where I think mentally I could keep up with the car a right. little bit better now. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm doing a, an excellent job by any means, but um, I mean it's it's taken some time for me to uh, understand and, and mentally get caught up with the race car. Yeah, to me the biggest thing is you have to go down the track whether you're running. 390 or 410 it's you have to get on the track so you can build up that comfort level of uh you know getting ahead of the thing and knowing what you want inside the car and be ready for when it drops a hole and things like that to where if it goes out there and smokes a tire it's like you ain't learning absolutely and that's all it is is i mean you're constantly learning on these things and and you know obviously our teams have done a great job working together and, and progressing both of our race cars um you know you've had a great year this year and and we've had a lot of changes on our team that we're, you know, you guys have helped us out on. And, um, but it, it's kind of cool now, you know, that we really kind of feel like we have two good teams that are coming into these races and, uh, we got a chance to win and we could compete with these guys now, you know? Yeah. So yeah, going to Norwalk, I mean, that was, that was excellent for our team. Uh, you know, the crew guys, that was awesome to see them, uh, get that little bit of morale boost. Um, it was, you know, cool doing, racing john force in the second round i got to race john force for the first time so that was pretty cool i didn't realize that was the first time in eliminations yeah yeah that's yeah. cool yeah so um had a great race with him obviously and uh and then ran tim wilkerson in the semis wilkerson laid down a good run I yeah mean, i felt the wrath of him first round like he he threw down all day in the heat like was making really good runs yeah 
yeah, so it, you know, it's kind of cool. I mean, you've seen some some guys, uh, you know, a lot of different winners, a lot of different finalists. Blake Alexander winning not too long ago. Yep, that was really cool to see him. You know, Blake. I think Blake has done. That's an underrated driver. I think Blake's done a great job. That's an underrated team as well. Yeah, and it's not like uh, the track prep or anything like that has benefited that team. Like that car has hauled ass going back two, three years. Like anytime it shows up, like it's a player to win. Right, and they come and, and they've they've done. Uh, I mean, they've raced what four or five races this year, and they've been in two finals. Yeah, going back to I think they ran Phoenix, right? Did they run Phoenix Test? Maybe I think so. somewhere they ran Somewhere. early in the year, like that thing ripped. I can't remember if it ran the sixties, but I know it, I think it went like seventy flat or like low seventies, which just goes to show like they uh, they know how to run with you know the top cars out there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Samantha says you made him stage first. Yes, I did. <laughs> Yeah, that's what bothers me is some of these guys talking about, well, yeah, you know, Force likes to stage last and blah, blah, blah. It ain't a rule that he has to stage last. Yeah, and you kind of – when you do that, I mean, let's just – let's be honest about this. I mean, we both grew up fans of the sport. We both watched these guys race for years. John Force, the ultimate legend of our sport. So the first time you get to race him – it's pretty cool. I don't care who you are. It's right. pretty cool. Yeah, I remember. And so I took that opportunity where, obviously, John, every, a lot of people know how he likes to race. He likes to stage last. And he has every right to. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I took that opportunity to where I said, you know what? I would like, I'd like to challenge him for that. Yeah, it's in your favor because it's the first time you raced him. It's right. not like he's like knowing like oh, I can push this guy around. Right. So, and it was it. So we kind of game planned a little bit before that. You know, I I think let let's try this. And a lot of people have have always said you never want to mess with John because John is the type of guy that in those situations he thrives on. Obviously, right. His record speaks for itself. He takes those situations and it pumps him up more and it gets him more fired up and it and it makes him better. Well, the way I looked at it is I've made a lot of runs, too. I've made a lot of sportsman runs. Not in a funny car. Not like that. But I've been in a lot of these situations as well. And I'm not the best, but I don't suck. So I want to try it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this opportunity the first time I race John. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit there. And let's, let's see what happens. Um, I knew where I was at fuel-wise. I knew where I was at time-wise, keeping a, kind of a mental count in my head. Um, obviously, I don't want to put myself or him at jeopardy of running out of fuel so you kind of do that now it, it played out into my favor um you know he ended up going in it was met with no disrespect but it was an opportunity for me to say hi my name's sean langdon and i drive funny car right yeah i'm not gonna fall for like what majority of the people you race against do like oh i have to go in yeah and and so you know it's a, it's a it was a cool opportunity. Uh, like I said, it was, it was meant with no disrespect. I have all the respect in the world for him. Uh, it was just an opportunity uh, for myself uh, as a racer, as a fan, as a driver to, you know, have a little bit of fun with it too. And But you look at a lot of these scenarios, nobody has to stage first. Nobody has to stage second. Everybody has the, yeah. the same amount of time. So it's, it's fair game. You look at like Ron Caps and, and Courtney. 
you know, uh, where Caps uh, raced her and, and felt like she may have took a little bit of time. Um, you do have seven seconds. Um, and obviously it, it, it got to him a little bit where he made a couple comments on the TV show. Uh, we've seen some situations where people have responded about, you know, to Caps on, you know, why are you complaining? Look at the pro stock guys. That's a whole different animal. Yeah, there. you can't compare anything outside of top fuel and funny card staging wise because it's just it's different. Yeah, you look at the pro stock guys. The pro stock guys, I mean they they got the pedal in, so they can sit there and burn each other down all day long. Yeah, and they're burning gas. Exactly. So we're on a limited time frame, uh, and when you get stuck with the pedal out in stage, and a, and person's taking a little bit of time, Courtney did absolutely nothing wrong, and. But on the racer etiquette side of things, you know, just just like in the, we discussed earlier, just like on the NASCAR side, if if you got a big run on somebody, you let them around. Right. Oh, you're only going to block them on the last couple laps. Well, in that situation, you know, I don't think that anybody did anything wrong. I believe that they're both right in their own minds. But I think it's cool for TV to see that. And I think it's cool to get a little controversy drummed up because I know one thing when they race again, I'm going to watch it. Well, hell see what yeah. Happens. At least like him making it known that TV is probably going to focus in on it also. They, were, like, they didn't pick up on it until he said something. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of drums, drums up the – you know, drums it up a little bit where the next time yeah. it's, it's going it, to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, like I said, Courtney, Courtney just took a couple seconds to get in. Uh, well, she has every right to a couple few. Okay, but back to the rule, which it's not even a rule; it's just a thing. Like seven seconds, or else you're going to get timed out. If someone takes five or six seconds, like that, feels like an hour when you're sitting there. Whatever the time is, times it by five in a, in, in a race at car. least. And then, so, and then let's factor in maybe you have a long light. Like when I say that, the the variance and when the the ambers come on, like that can be, you know. It's a five-tenths of a second right. difference. That can be right away or it can be, you know, 0.49 when the tree comes on or whatever. Like, it, it just magnifies it to where it's that much longer. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've all been on that, but uh, on both ends of that. But, yes, definitely sitting in there staged, having the pedal out and sitting in there for two, three, four seconds. And your foot might be flinching. Man, it seems like an eternity. And then if if they come in behind and then it's a long tree – Matt, you're doing. You're so focused on holding your foot back of not two stepping the thing that sometimes it's it's a little difficult to cut a good light when you do that. Yes, and going back to Caps being mad about that, if someone like I say, you take five, six, seven seconds. We're I'm mad at the end of the track. Then I'll never forget one of my heroes again, Del Worsham. Like this was early on. I don't even know if I was driving then, but he's like, someone takes you know five, six seconds to stage like. We're fighting at the end of the track. <laughs> so, like, it's just common knowledge, I feel like, between drivers that, hey, like, you took a while. Either either that, if that person comes and says something, you're like, okay, whatever. You're still mad. But if they don't, then it's like, okay, I won't forget that. Yeah, and it's it's a long season, like, like exactly. you said. Um, you know, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to, to see how that plays out. Uh, you know, again, it, this is nothing negative to either side. Uh, I, but I think that it, it's cool to, to get that. And I think that those type of situations um, get you excited, get your adrenaline going as a driver because you're, you play a little bit of the game. You, you may not play the game but felt like you got played in the game. 
Right. And then the next time that's in your head. So you kind of control the situation where you're like, this is how this race is going to get decided on the starting line. Right. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, one of my sprint car buddies told me a while back, like, you know, say someone wheels him and he flips in a heat race, you know, at a race somewhere. Well, he's not going to go fight him that night or pay him back that night. But when that dude goes flipping out of the park six months down the road, like he'll remember why. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously we don't get close enough. But no, like that, that, I mean, that's like my comparison, like staging wise. Like, remember, yeah. you know, three months back when you were slow, right? Which, and, and on the flip side of that, you know, I think that the next time I probably race John, John's going to be a little more conscious, yeah, of what happened at the at the last time that we raced. So I feel like he's probably going to try to make more of a stand, potentially on maybe like, all right, point taken. I got your I got your point. I staged first this time, but that's the last time I'm going to do it. Right? Yeah. So, like, he's probably feeling the same way you are. Like you're not going to push me around. Right. It's it's a little bit of give and take, and I and and, and it, I think you need to be prepared for that. Yeah. You really need to understand both ends of it. You have to understand both sides of it. Um, there's been a lot of times that I may take a little bit of time staging, not intentionally, but you know maybe uh, just a little bit slow staging, and yeah, I may go over and say, hey man, if I felt like it was something a little bit, you know, where I felt like it was a little longer than it should have been. Especially qualifying. Go over and say, yeah, hey, I apologize about that. But um, I think I think there's a lot of give and take. I, and it's awesome. I, I think the coolest thing is the, the starting line games. There's a lot of mental, a uh, little bit of mental warfare that goes on in the cockpit at, when you're driving that you that you're thinking about okay what's this guy gonna do what's is this guy gonna stage first is this guy gonna stage last is he gonna hang me out because the last thing that you want is to be in in the stage bulb with the pedal out for more than three or four or five seconds so right um i that's one of the things that i enjoy i enjoy understanding that knowing this driver's good on a quick tree this driver's good on a long tree he's bad at this bad at that you kind of learn driver's tendencies um so it's when you're just driving the car, it's all up to the crew chiefs. But I think those little things that, that you do as a driver, I think that makes it fun. You, you know, looking back to uh, Kenny Bernstein, the last time he drove a funny car, the the Monster Energy car, like, I never knew that he drove like this until that. But like, you couldn't mess with him on the starting line because he kept his foot in on the clutch the whole time until both cars were staged. Then he finally stepped off, and he would still drill people on the starting line. So like, he would go in right away and like just sit there. like It didn't bother him. Right. Right, yeah, which is kind of cool, I think. But that's a that's thing. hard to do, though. That and, and you look at guys like Tony Schumacher, um, excellent driver, but he always preferred on Sunday to stage first. And well, yeah, he makes that clear. Right. So I mean, it's as soon as you're priest, and he's never going to say nothing. You could sit him out for three, four, five, six seconds, and Tony's the type of guy that you know he just accepts the race for what the race is, and. Uh, I've never, I've personally never heard of anything about Tony ever saying anything, but he was always the guy that was in first. Right. So when you're driving and you're racing against him, you go to Sunday, you go to the you semis of the final change round. Change up your routine, man. You, you change it up. And Most I th- people don't. I don't get it. Right. And so there's, there's a, a few times that I'd race Tony where it was, as soon as I pre-stage, I'm ready to go. And I try to beat him into stage. Right. And you just... You do a little bit not to create an advantage for yourself, but you create a little bit of a disadvantage 
for the other driver because you throw them off their routine a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people that you can just sit outside the car and watch that have routines that they're so, like, here's how they go. Like, you got to kind of expose that. It, yeah, and, and, and you're talking, we're racing for thousands of a second. Right. So uh, when you're driving and you, I guess, expose that little bit of a weakness that you change the routine up, and if you're able to gain five thousandths out of that, that's huge. Yeah, those five thousands are hard to find. A lot of times they are. Absolutely. Yeah. What else we got? Headers. Headergate. Headergate. Yeah, I just saw that name today. It's kind of cool. So Caps was getting in my ass because he put out, he did a video, and I was commenting on it. What was the video? Well, he was talking about the headers. Was okay. this an Epping? Uh, no, this was last recently. Last week, yeah, oh. yeah. It, it, he was kind of explaining it, um, but he said that we need to bring it up on the show and we need to talk about it. I like Caps just because like he is always talking about our show. Yeah, Caps a man. What size Caps? Yeah, t-shirt and hat coming your way. But anyway, yeah, the the header deal. I mean, I feel like you know as much as I do, and vice versa, which is not a lot, but. At the beginning of the year, we were told by, what was it, Denver, that they're setting a header angle rule, and that they made a header checker at the beginning of the year, which is a fixture that basically slides onto the headers from the ground and, you know, determines the angle, correct? Correct. And it only goes one way. Correct. But for three other cars, they had to turn the checker to make it work. And, yes, and you look at a situation like that, and these are the headers that were made. Well, if you're those guys, being the force cars, it's, well, if you turn it or move it or maneuver the checker like this. They, they fit. It'll fit. So, I don't think it was anything wrong on their end yeah yeah but they're not cheating no no absolutely not i think that it was you're talking about i mean uh, minute differences yeah yeah, okay but to me if the sanctioning body has a checker and it goes on this way like that is the standard either your shit fits or it doesn't so so when it doesn't fit and you tell the sanctioning body well check it like this and now it fits and they say, oh, okay. That's a problem. It's a big problem because headers that are no longer legal that we ran last year that we still have, well, you turn it for us, they'll fit. Right. But they're, we, not, but they're not legal. We had some, some other headers after we kind of started learning of situations. We had some other headers that we felt we could run. If you turn the checker like so, uh, the fixture – and checked them like this. Illegal. Can't do that. You can't run those. Okay. So how do we, are we stuck where we're at? How right. do we change? What are the, what can we do? Well, you're, you're basically stuck. This is how the fixture is. This is how we're going to measure it. And this is what it's going to be. Fair enough. But kind of not really where, where it became, I think where it became an issue was, when people started understanding how they every team was getting checked 
And then I think that just became a problem because you, you could visibly look at, at their headers and, and they were, they were different. Right. I mean, I've seen pictures even recently today, their night runs and you can see the, the header flames are different. They're, you know, cars side by side. Mm-hmm. Some are, you know, stood up towards the roof and others are laid back by the spill plate. So like, you can physically see that, you know, the angle is different. Right. So uh, through a bunch of the meetings um, that various teams um, had with NHRA, um, they de- they determined that they were going to change it, that it's going to be checked this way with this fixture. This is the rule. So beginning in Denver, um, I guess we could say that we're all on the same playing field now. Yeah, and for those wondering why it's such a big deal, is it a performance advantage to have them laid back? Well, yes, it is. Looking at, at the, the qualifying sheets that we get with the numbers, like they're constantly at the top mm-hmm. in early incremental numbers. Yeah. I mean, will we see a difference in Denver? I don't know. Sonoma, I feel like then we'll see if, if it actually made a difference. But I'm not going to say that their cars aren't running better because they are obviously running well. But oh, every, no you're, you, you definitely like, you take a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here. Like it all makes a difference and put it together. Like they're going to be quicker and faster. Yeah, and I, and I just think that when you have rules set in place from the sanctioning body, this is something. This is how it's going to be, right? And you have to kind of stand your ground. Well, look at NASCAR as a, as a sanctioning body, and this is how it is. Well, of course, everybody. When you're racing for performance, everybody's going to try to take the rule and how do we, how do we, don't cross the line, but how do we step on that line and make it to the best advantage for us? And you can't blame any team for doing that. You can't blame anybody for trying to push them as far as they can go. Well, when you kind of get, when you keep continuously getting pushed, then they allow it to happen. Right. You know, so unfortunately, that's where it was at. Fortunately, now it's changed. Um, now, is that the, the, the reason why they've been winning? No. Is that the reason why they've been running good? It helps, but they're still going to be good cars regardless. Yeah, it's not going to set them back by any means. Should they be mad? Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, they on their end... The, the force team, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure they, they have a right to be because they were told in the beginning of the year that their that, stuff's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You can, we, you can run that. Right. And then now they've had a successful year halfway through the year. Right. Now it's you got to change it like this. Yeah. If I were in their shoes, I'll be mad. But at the same time, I'm glad the NHRA finally like, hey, this is it. Like we're making one fixture. You guys have to all abide by it. Yeah. Which that's how it should be. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you don't have NASCAR go like, oh, well. Hendrick's car, you know, fits this one okay, but we changed it a little bit for Roush. Like, no, they all have one fixture they have to fit in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see. These next couple races going to Western Swing. Obviously, Denver's, a, a, it's kind of its own right, but like you had said earlier, I think Sonoma's where you're really going to be able to see uh, good air, good racetrack. Yep. Uh, you, that's where you're really going to kind of see, like, okay, well, where where is this all all going and and how much did this really improve their race cars or you know was it maybe maybe it wasn't a big difference right 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe it's like you guys just need to shut up and figure out your ace cars. <laughs> right. I, I doubt it. But anyways, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a uh, uh, Western Swing's cool, man. I, I always love going to Western Swing. Um, Denver, Sonoma, Seattle. Yeah, it's just three completely different environments. Right. I had heard a rumor, and I don't know if you'd heard this, but there might be a potential. I'm just completely talking off basis, but uh, – for a five in a row next year? Where where did I hear that? Yes, I did hear that. But I can't remember what they were. I don't know either. I mean, obviously, probably in the summer months. That's typically when we have those four in a row. Right, and I don't remember where I heard that. But, yes, I did hear that as well. But I also heard something about maybe not going back to Epping, which that would be bad because that place is constantly packed every year. Yeah. Although, I mean, I I don't know why we wouldn't go back there, but I've heard rumors of why. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the schedule. I I think that it'd be awesome. Just we got 24 races. Let's go 24 weekends in a year. I know you keep saying that, but I think, okay, if we did that, then what the hell do we do the rest of the year? Go bracket race. Yeah, well, go golf. Not all of us have cars to go bracket race. Work on our race cars. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm all for racing every week. I had a, I did an interview uh, Sunday night asking about the Western Swing. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's a tough time for the crew guys because of the travel and the preparation and all that. But as a driver, I love it just because bam, 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 like three in a row. Like, I would rather race every week and not have weeks off. Right, exactly. That's the hardest thing. I, I think at the beginning of the year, you start going to some races and then you get a couple of weeks off. And oh, the beginning like, of the year sucks. It's just like, it's like, all right, let's go. And especially in the beginning of the year, because you're so like, oh, we got all these changes we made in right. the off season. And, you know, you kind of get the, the feels again of being at the racetrack and racing and the adrenaline. And, and then yeah. it's like, all right, well, you got two weeks off now. Two weeks off, you might as well, like, you start forgetting stuff by that point. It, 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 yeah. Like, exactly. you feel like you haven't been in the car forever when you get back in it. I don't like that feeling at all. They say new track in Casey. I seventy might replace Topeka. Yeah, but Topeka I, I don't. Away? I don't see the need to replace Topeka if that's the case. Like Topeka's awesome. Topeka's a great track. Yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is in Topeka, you pit so far away from the track, don't miss your your ride in in the tow vehicle because you ain't walking. That's a damn long walk. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Topeka Topeka's a pretty cool track. Right. I mean, it was a little challenging this year, but in years past, like it's been one of the best actual surfaces that we race on, which I wouldn't see the – and I, whoever bought it, just, I, I'm pretty sure they, they sunk a bunch of money into it, like, you know, revamping it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's – Topeka's a, a place that I, I actually look forward to going to uh, based on ETs and speeds. And, right. I mean, it's a good surface, and it's fast track. and Right. So, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you guys got any questions, make sure to send us some questions. Uh, you know, we'll try to address them. Yeah, we'll get to them towards the end of the show. Yeah, towards the end of the show. But, yeah, back to the Western Swing. I mean, Denver is one of the coolest-looking tracks, I think, on the tour, just the way that the stands are cut into the mountain there. And uh, it's always packed there. Like you said, Bandemirs do a great job uh, promoting the event. And uh, the Chris boys and Larry and, you know, his kids, they do a great job preparing the facility and the track and what have you. And, they treat you first class there. Then you go to Sonoma, which is easily one of my favorite tracks on the tour. Just the the wine country setting and uh, that place. I feel like the staff there, like they're the best on tour. Like they uh, they're the 
they go above and beyond to make sure that you feel welcome there and feel at home. And I can't wait to get back there. Yeah, I always enjoy getting. They they always give us uh, wine. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they do that for every team, like every pro team at least, bringing like two bottles of wine. Yeah, well now we just open that up, so if somebody doesn't get wine, they're going to be pissed. <laughs> so yeah, if, sorry. if we talked out of line, Sonoma, we're sorry. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I mean it's good wine. I, I like obviously I like drinking it. Yeah, the, then the we white go, I typically give away, but and then we go wine tasting, and then we go wine. Yeah, and w- that's awesome because you don't get messed up off of wine, right? No, it's like grape juice. <laughs> <laughs> it just gives you a headache the next day. Yeah. <laughs> and you typically forget a lot of the... <laughs> it's a good way to wind down after an event. Monday or Tuesday, whatever, you go check out some different wineries in Napa Valley, which is awesome. There's so many that you could... It's like when we went to New York, you can go do something different every time you go. Well, that's the same way with uh, the wineries out there, the vineyards. Like, you it, never go to the same ones. Except we're not doing what we did in uh, New York and try to check out all of Central Park by walking it. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> you need like a scooter or a moped to do that. Dude, what do we walk that one day, like 12 miles? I don't know, but eventually I feel like Brandon, he was pissed. Yeah, he's, yeah. finally he says, I'm getting a cab right. with or without you guys. Like my feet still hurt from all that walking. It was cool though. But yeah, yeah, we got to check it out. Yeah, it was a cool place. Then, uh, where else? Seattle. Seattle's cool. It's different. It can be good. When it's not blazing hot there. Yeah. And a lot of, uh, well, Seattle will be a little different, uh, you know, not having lights. So the qualifying session Friday night is going to be a little bit earlier. Um, And I kind of like that just because, I mean, it's kind of a one-off deal where you don't run late to where it's not so crucial to get down the track on that night run since you don't even have it there in Seattle. Right. And you can get out of there at a respectable time and go downtown, get some sushi. Some good seafood. Yeah, some good seafood. Yeah. Go check out all the cool stuff. Yeah, Seattle's definitely a a cool city to go check out. Yeah, I look forward to the swing. A lot of people don't, but I do. And it's always cool to think about, like, who's got the potential to sweep the swing. And you can't sweep it unless you win Denver. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, it's tough. I mean, who who would you think? Like, right now – Let's go. Let's go one per class. Who do you think right now has got the best potential in each class to to potentially sweep the swing? Uh, top fuel Torrance for sure. I'd agree with that. Funny car, like maybe Hagen. I mean, he's on a heater. He's going to have to win five. But in you're going to win. Do that. You're going to win five in a row. Like that is not going to happen. I mean, you. Uh, I don't know. It's there's there's at least three or four, I would say, potential funny cars that could do it. But I, I, there's way more than that, honestly. But funny cars, it's too hard to pick. It is. Who, who do you think? Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, with what you said with uh, Top Fuel with Torrance, that, that's probably – that would probably be the, the first pick that I would have in, in any of the classes. Um, uh, you know – Antron's running a lot better, and Antron, uh, you know, top two driver in that class. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think with Mike Green coming on and helping them a little bit and with Mark and uh, and Brad, um, that could be a, a, a pretty pretty dangerous team when they kind of get going. Yeah. Um, 
I'm sure a lot of people don't want to see them figure it out because once they do, it's going to be on. Yes, yes, which which would be good. Uh, that way you don't have any runaways in that class. Yeah. Um, Tony, they got the potential to run good. Um, funny car. You know, Courtney's had an exceptional year. So it'll be interesting to see with potentially what the header uh, rule changes. Um, you know, if if how much did that really benefit them? Um, you know, obviously they got good running cars, uh, Hagen. Um, you know, but I just, I just don't see someone winning five in a row no, to, to that's, be able to do that. Yeah, to me that's way too hard to do. Um, I mean, they they have a team capable of doing it, but right? That's just yeah. It, I'm not saying they can't, but that's that's tough. Uh, Pro stock, um, I mean, you got kind of four four guys that, well, I say guys, but four uh, guys and girls that are kind of really in a tight battle for pro stock. So you got right. uh, you got Anderson, Greg Anderson, um, Erica Tanner, Vincent Nobile. Um, man, that that class is just Jaggy's coming on strong. Chris McGehe won the uh, last race. Uh, I don't know. Personally, I don't. I don't think anybody's going to do it. No, I, yeah. I think competition is too tough right now. When's the last time somebody did it? Antron. And that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was two thousand nine, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I. I don't know. I'd have to. We need like Lewis Bloom for something like that. I'm pretty sure it's two thousand nine because I remember I was driving Baca's car in Sonoma and he beat us in the semifinals. I think yeah. that was the year that he swept it. But yeah, that, I mean, there's only been a handful of people doing it. It's just I feel like everything's got to line up your way for that to happen. Yeah. Anyway, what well, do we know? Speaking of stuff we don't know, we got <laughs> <laughs> we got called out a couple weeks ago. Which technically I didn't, we did it. Yeah, yeah. But listen, he never said our names. But listen, I went back and watched last week's show, and he basically admitted to it. He's like, oh yeah, like, so these guys they they knew who I was talking about. You damn right, because I went up to him. So Q1 next and time Epi. you call us out, say Sean and Jr. are a bunch of dumbass idiots that don't know what they're talking about. That yeah, probably and that's went, not what he said, but that's basically what he said, right? So and in case you guys are wondering who we're talking about, we're talking about Cruz. We're not afraid to say it. I uh, yeah, I didn't. I, I I watched a little bit of the one just because I had some people texting me about it and i never watched the last one so you might be able to elaborate a little bit more on right well so basically what started it was in his mind we were bitching and complaining about the tracks and the track prep which we're not i'm not going to say that okay uh, a few races ago we're in bristol and yeah i might have got out and said uh we hit the ski jump or the track's bumpy well i'm not gonna blow smoke up your ass and say it's smooth as glass when it's not we're not yeah we're just not gonna fabricate it and and just go straight pc on it i mean obviously there's been big changes this year they that's the fans know it drivers know it and just don't go pc about it i mean everybody's got their opinion the basis of our show is to talk about drag racing and talk about topics and we've never once said Oh, this is don't show up. This is terrible. Yeah. You guys are wasting your time and your money. No, this is awesome drag racing. We're still going three hundred miles an hour, but there are changes. So there are changes that the crew chiefs have to make, there are changes that the drivers have to make. And I guess a little bit when we get told like that we're kinda 
getting our information from our crew chiefs that are whining? Well, A, no, because uh, we actually have Toyota and TRD that actually go out and yeah. check the tracks with machines for every bump, for every nook, for every cranny, uh, uh, you know, that we get the information that we can base this off of to know how how much we can attack the track and how fast we can run. Like, this isn't – this is – like highly educated information that we are getting. Yeah, it's not like we're getting it by, you know, our crew chiefs out there walking the track and like, oh, there's a bump here or whatever. Like, no, like we have, we, I say we, TRD has the capability of going out there and checking the track and seeing if it's crowned, if it's flat, how bumpy it is. And I'm telling you now, like some of these tracks that we run, according to that, you know, deal, like, it wouldn't pass DOT highway specs. That's how bumpy some of them are, which is fine. Because at the, end, at the end of the day, it's a level playing field for everybody. Exactly. Everybody has got to race on the same surface, on the same track. So we are not saying anything like that. We are just reporting the facts. You Correct. You can't get mad at the facts. Yeah, and, and they're coming back and giving our crew chiefs that info so they know how to set up the cars and where, you know, to slow it down or speed it up, and in turn, like, telling us as drivers, hey, be prepared, like, there's a bump here, a bump there. And this guy's saying, well, these two uh, new funny car guys are, you know, basically just puppets repeating whatever their crew chiefs tell them. Like, no. Well, last I checked, Cruz has a crew chief, too. Uh, that's, that's the issue that I have. He wears three different hats. So he can complain about whatever he wants at any given time because he's an owner, crew chief, and driver when he wants to be. Any of those three. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, come on, man. And Cruz texted me last week and said, watch my show. I'm going to talk some shit. Because I went to him after, after I talked about it. Or, I, I'm sorry, after we, we watched that first thing. And then I went up to him Q1 and Epping. And, you know, just watch your show, bud. You know, it, just to address it and talk to him about it. Um, and, and he we, said he appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I got nothing personally against Cruz. Uh, Cruz, you know, he's he's cool. So, but this is just it's it's a debate, and that was something that we had talked about. Was like, you know, it would be cool. Obviously, he's got his opinions. We have our opinions. But at the same day, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, we're all racing on the same track. We all right. have the same. It's a level playing field. We're not saying that it's unfair. It's a disadvantage. It, it it's still drag racing. It's still badass. Um, but like you said, he can kind of play whatever hat he wants that he's the owner. So he, he complains about the, this rule package, but then he's a driver. Uh, but then he's, you know, a crew chief kind of, you know, obviously he's got Aaron Brooks over there and Aaron's, Aaron's awesome. I, I love mean, I, Aaron. Yeah. Who doesn't like Aaron? Aaron's, Aaron's badass. So I, I, I text Aaron. I said, with all due respect, <laughs> like, Hey, your driver's going to call us out, not by name, but we're going to call Cruz Pedregon out. And I had discussed it with him that like, hey, if you want to have a debate about this, this would be something to heavily debate. Uh, everybody's got their own opinion. We just want to report what we know, the facts. We're not filling anybody full of shit. We just want to talk about the drag race and the things that are going on. And obviously, he kind of took a little bit of problem about it and wanted to call us out. So um, then last week, he says, make sure to watch my show. I'm going to talk some shit. Well, I wasn't able to watch a show. I went bracket racing last weekend. But from... Then he texts me, well, I didn't really talk any shit, but I'm going to talk shit next week. Well, we took care of it for you, Cruz, because we're talking shit. We're going to debate with you at some point on this deal. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't think that it's – I don't know why he got all butthurt about it and wants to 
start running his mouth about it, but um, it's a level playing field. We're all racing on the same stuff. It's NHRA drag racing. We're not telling anybody to do anything. or We're just trying to give people an opportunity to create their own opinion on what they think. Exactly. I, I don't remember ever saying something negative. They're like, oh, these tracks are garbage or this is terrible racing. I don't know why anybody would watch this. Like, no. Like, why would we do that? We want as many fans as possible to come out and watch what we put on. Right. Whether it's tire smoking battles or, you know, cars hauling ass going 330 miles an hour. Like, it's still the greatest show on earth. Right. So, we're not, I mean, we're not puppet drivers. Yeah, I, I mean, you want to talk about puppets. That dude that sits next to him on a show, like, that's a puppet. Well, I, I'm... I'm new to this. I'm new at driving a race car. I'm new at driving a funny car. So I'm not just going to sit there and and say that I know everything. Put the car together and go race the car. I mean, I, that's that's not my forte. Yeah, you're not a crew chief. I'm, I'm not a crew chief. So obviously Cruz has, has some experience in being a crew chief. Cruz Pedregon has a lot of experience in being a, a funny car driver. Two-time um, world champ. Absolutely. So that's, you know, with, with all due respect, I mean, you know, give respect or give credit where it's, where it's due. I mean, he's, he's a great driver. He's, he's done a good job crew chiefing, but crews, we're all in the same boat. We're both drivers. All three of us are drivers with the crew chief and we get the information from Toyota TRD, which is also one of your sponsors. So we're not getting bullshit information. End of story. Next. Maybe. Yeah. Check that off the list. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that's that. Um, oh yeah, that, Aunt Renee has a good, good question. Did he get a form to fill out? Maybe, maybe we'll send a butthurt report over. We can, yeah, we can send, we can send him a butthurt. Report. File one out, throw it right there in the trash can, like we have in the past. Oh, uh, I, I did get a text. Jr. is correct about a Western Swing sweep. The last one was Antron two thousand nine. Oh, nice. Good job, man. We'll give you a, a Nomex Effect t-shirt for that. Me? Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Medium, please. Tony also did it the prior year. Uh, well, here, I'll give credit. Cody Poor. So, our, our PR guy, he, uh, he does a good job. Um, it's only been done once in Funny Car, which was uh, John Force in 1994. Yeah, I feel like Force won every race back then. Basically. It's yeah. either him or Cruz. Yeah. Well, maybe um, Al Hoffman. But anyway, yeah, on to the next deal. Yeah, so uh, kind of big news with Army leaving. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good for racing in general. Man, that sucks. Yeah, I, I mean, they've been around for so long. They've, uh, man, that, that's... Dude, the Sarge, like, what do you call him now? Tony. Uh, yeah, that uh, that that blew me away. Uh, I mean, obviously, the the run of dominance that that Tony's had with the the Army sponsorship and and what Army uh, brought to to uh, DSR, um, but also what DSR was able to bring to Army to have them out on the midway, out at the racetrack, um, being being able to have activation and and, and recruiting out there. Big um, presence, man. That was an awesome presence. It, it was big. Um, that's gonna be a tough one to fill for them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I don't even know what to say about it. It's just we need more uh, more big sponsors like that involved in our sport, and you hate to see them go away instead of instead of coming in. Yeah, and I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the Papa John deal? 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. But maybe uh, Domino's will step up. There you go. Yeah, that's that's it's it's sad to see, man. Um, you know, last year we had Traxxas. Traxxas was such a big part of our sport uh, coming in and uh, you know sponsoring. No shootouts. Yeah, no shootouts. Remember those days, man? Those were awesome. Race for a hundred thousand dollars, man. I you got I, a little piece of that. I did one year, two thousand thirteen. Um, I'm telling you, like as much as you 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 race and you kind of block out a lot of the distractions and uh when you're hitting the gas for a hundred thousand dollars i bet my foot would be quivering the whole time like you just try not to think about it it changes shit like it changes where you become of like a driver where you're mentally like tough and stable and i'm gonna drill the tree and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that to man i hope i don't screw this up what if somebody hung you out for six seconds in the final of the tracks to shoot out. They better hope they win because I probably light their car on fire. <laughs> See, it's not acceptable. I'd hit it. <laughs> probably run over their shoots. Good chance that they're not going to race on Monday. Good chance I'd figure out how to keep that car running and I'd put it in reverse and back it into their car. I remember Jim had, but always say he was going to do that to somebody. I can't say who, but I always thought that was funny. Yeah. That's, yeah, that tracks is, uh, that was, that was big. Uh, you know, uh, we need, that. what if we just take up a collection among the teams and have our own shootout? I think we already talked about that, but we need a shootout at Indy. Right. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's I, growing up. I mean, growing up, that's the big bud. Yeah. Shootout. The big bud shootout. That was, man. And they used to have that at Pomona. So I was able to watch that for the dragsters for the dragster. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, I always thought it was badass. I thought it was awesome. I, I love watching that. Um, but, yeah, we lost that. And then, you know, with Army going and it just, yeah, it's, it's it, you know, we're kind of, I think, hitting that wave of, you know, really need to start pushing. And, you know, a lot of teams do a great job of, of trying to bring in, um, you know, a lot of sponsors and as many as we can. Um, but, man, I, I'd really hate to see that's That's a top-notch team over there you know with tony and obviously you know dsr they they do a great job with all their partners um and i'm sure somebody will step up for that team yeah they've always been good about you know going out and finding some big companies get involved yeah uh walt walker i'm sure is bracket race for 100k plus yeah i have um i haven't won that much but i've i've raced in them um it it definitely it's a, it's the same thing. I mean I've I've been uh, on a, on a fifty grander. Do you uh, get up there with your thumbs like? I've been in the semifinals of a fifty grander. I've won uh, ten granders. Um, I got down, uh, you know, pretty far in the million one year. I think I was like fifth or sixth round. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's hard because as much as like when you're racing and then you know they get into the splits and stuff like that. As much as you want to start looking at the money to see potentially uh what is chopped up the second you're like well okay if i lose here you know on a big money race if i lose here i'm gonna get ten thousand dollars but if i win this round then i'll get twenty five thousand dollars but if i get to the final then it's fifty thousand dollars and then it's kind of like it it changes your your 
your mental process of how you do things. I feel like that's something a lot of people don't know about. Is like when you go to these big money bracket races that you guys start chopping it up. When you say that, you mean split it up amongst whoever's left in, say, like how many cars, like 10 cars or so? It depends. It depends. Um, like, you know, typically when they go to the million, they'll start um, 16 or less. Right. Um, 10 granders. Uh, sometimes in the semis. Uh, majority of the time in the final but everybody agrees on it right say you're the one guy that does not want to chop it up then what happens it does not get chopped up uh there's been numerous times that a lot of people will their their answers run as advertised and there's nothing wrong with that um you know me me personally uh for many years 10 12 years ago i was racing for a living bracket racing and racing to pay my bills and so to me anytime i could pick up a thousand or two thousand dollars i'd pay my bills for the month so um i was obviously always looking to split because i wanted that guaranteed money to make sure i can pay my bills um so a lot of times now if i get put in situations where uh people want to start splitting and stuff like that uh, i i don't i don't ever say no um there's been some times that i've wanted to um but, you know, I, I, I look at back at how I started. I mean, there'd be a lot of times I'd be going to the races with $1,000 in my bank account and like, well, I need to do something this weekend to, to pay my bills at the end of the month. And, you know, I just uh, I don't want to rob anybody of that opportunity, you know, where I, I knew I knew what it was like being in those situations. Does it ever come like say, you know, you're running for a hundred grand. One guy doesn't want to split it up. Is everybody ready to fight that guy? Uh, I've, I've seen some, some stuff, uh, one instance way back in, man, this is 10, 12 years ago, uh, in Vegas one time they used to do a ultimate gambler and, um, it would be a, uh, what was it like? I think it was a thousand dollars to enter cash only. And there was an instance where, um, I wasn't in at the time. Uh, of the split, but when they started talking the splits, everybody had agreed to it. And there was one particular driver that never got out of his car, but ha- his son was, or I believe it was a son or family member or something, was in on the split of, of agreeing on everything. And um, I guess as it kind of dwindled down and then the guy ended up winning the race, well, it's either, you know, all agree to the split or there's no split. So everybody had agreed on it, and he had a quote-unquote representative from his camp uh, that had agreed to it. So everybody's on the same playing field there. And when he had won the race, he didn't know is what he had claimed. And a lot of <laughs> races were pissed. I, I'd play dumb also if I just waxed them. Yeah, when you got $50,000 cash in your pocket, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But, yeah, obviously there's a lot of upset people. And and I think, you know, even if you were to, you know, go to, say, the million or whatever, and you get down to 16 spots and it may be, I don't know, three, four grand to lose that round. But, you know, you're that one guy that denies somebody the opportunity at that point to uh, maybe get $10,000 if they lose. Um, yeah, that's – that's you could be that asshole. But So that's kind of why for me – uh, what I try to do is if, I mean, if I'd love to race for all the money, but if somebody comes up and asks a split, 
I'll, I'll split it with them. Um, I, I don't ever say no to a split, but if they don't bring it up, then yeah, I think sometimes it's kind of cool when you got when you got big money on the line. That, well, yeah, the pressure's on then. And uh, you you know you know how it is when you get that adrenaline going, you get that pressure, and you kind of get those little butterflies, but you right, feel yeah, your heart like, beating, go. and it's like your mind's right, but your heart's beating through your chest, like. Those are the, the coolest situations right? It, to race in. I mean, it's, those are the, those moments that you really live for to, that you talk about for a lifetime. Absolutely. Here's something I mentioned before the show. Maybe we should talk about the centerline deal. So they, they changed the rule. Was it the beginning of the year or a little after the beginning of the year, after the season started, that they extended it? That was after the season started, right? Yes, correct. And they extended it from a thousand foot to thirteen twenty. Yes, correct. And what is it if you touch it or if you cross it? How is okay? This? So if you touch the wall, it's a disqualification. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. If, if you touch the cone, it's a disqualification. Correct. If you touch the line, it's a judgment call, basically, to see if you went over it or not. Correct. Which. So, I don't like that because the last three or four races, there have been cars dancing on the line. It's like, well, you know, they haven't bounced somebody for it yet. Right. Yeah. And, and it, like you said, it comes down to a judgment call uh, from the sanctioning body. And then it comes down to what did they see at that particular time? Uh, camera angles. I don't know if they go back to like a replay. Um. Or you, you have a guy walk out on the track. Well, I think it's pretty simple. If you have a white line on a black racing surface, and if there's a black tire mark on the white line, disqualification. Absolutely. But now it's it's determined of, well, the tire mark was on the line, but we didn't see any reason for it that it went over. But, yeah, the body was hanging over. But, I mean, in theory, you could get close enough to a cone – and hit the cone with your header and not even be touching the line, and that's a disqualification. Right. So, I mean, you kind of put that that stuff in a weird position. What if you're running up Pomona in the final round and you get in a tire smoke uh, pedal fest with the other guy, race for a championship, and your tire's on the line? Is it over or not? Yeah, your body was over, but... You didn't hit a cone, but your tire was on the line. But was it over the line or was it just on the line? I'd hate to see, if I was in that position, I would hate to see $500,000 of Mellow Yellow's money go up to a guy that says, eh, it was close, but this yeah. is what I think. Right. <laughs> to me, you better be painting that line every night because, like, I – what if the tires mark is from a round before or the day before or whatever? Like, you don't know. Right. It, that should not be a judgment call ever. Yeah. So I, I think I think going forward with that, what a, a, my, my thinking would be, yeah, if you – just like if you touch the wall, just like if you touch the cone, if you touch the center line, okay, your body can hang over. But if any part of your tire touches the white line, there's any mark. Yep. I don't care if it's a wheelie bar mark. Anything. I don't care if you hit it by an eighth of an inch. You're out. Yeah. 
Because you can't just graze I, the wall I think, before the finish line. And I think, yeah, I mean, no pun intended, but I think that's a, a black, that makes it black and white. Absolutely. I mean, you got a black racetrack, you got a white center line. And make it just one big line. Why are there two lines? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, that, uh, I mean, that puts it in a tough situation on, on judgment calls. On, on Yeah, because I feel like it's only a matter of time before it's going to come down to a serious judgment call and someone's going to get seriously pissed off when it doesn't go their way. Exactly. Well, then, and then at that point, all everybody's back at the pit, or going back to the pit, or everybody uh, half the people are top end, and then it's like you get news that yeah you got disqualified. Well, what do you mean? Right. Well, you right. Know, I think there's there's a that could get tough. That, that could put people in some bad spots. Yeah, and if it's going to be, I guess, if you're going to keep it a judgment call, maybe we need some better camera angles. Right, yeah. Some behind shots, some head-on shots, because you, you, if you're going to make a judgment call, it needs to be like some NFL replay type stuff. Correct. Like, I mean, you're, like you're we're talking, going to the booth. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about inches on that you that you're making judgment on. So that 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 could potentially be something that that uh, we could talk about at the end of the year. You know, obviously. Uh, Here's a good one. So two funny cars can touch bodies and not get DQ'd. That's probably another damn judgment call. I feel like you can't crash into each other. Well, yeah. So there's yeah. so yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but you know, I would, I would think, I don't think there's enough overhang. Well, I mean, I guess technically, if. One tire's on the white line, and the other tire, because it goes, you have your racing surface, and then there's two white lines, and then a black line in the middle of it, correct? So if both tires I, yeah. <laughs> are on the white line, I don't know if there's enough overhang that they could hit. I, what if one guy is out of shape, and his wheelie bar is hanging over the center line, and touches the body of the other car that's right on the center line? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Like, there's so many different... I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I don't. I don't. That's why they get paid the big bucks to make decisions like that? I guess. I guess somebody's getting paid big bucks. Yeah, <laughs> somebody's got to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Point being, like, I'd like to see the center line be treated like the wall. Yeah. Just cut and dry, like you said, black and white. Yeah. You got either you touched it or you didn't. Right. I mean, because you don't go to the wall and say well i touched it but i didn't go over right you didn't you don't say that on the cone <laughs> yeah it's pretty obvious i mean if you if you graze it you're out i mean there was that one instance back in chicago where you know the the oh, the top sportsman, the top sportsman got, yeah. got close and you know i don't know if i'd heard some stuff that he got so close with the headers, the header blew it, blew the reflector out, or you know, there's just so many things that are. I mean, you're talking just such minute stuff that's making a, a outcomes of you know difference of outcomes of races. Yep. That uh, yeah, that'd be I'd be interesting to see with with how how that goes. As a driver, just don't get near it. Easier said than done. Man, I'm telling you, there's there's been a couple runs. And funny cars are just way worse than what dragsters are. But, it, man, you go and 
you you're right down the middle, and then all of a sudden this thing just flat darts to the left, and it's like you got that. You're, I mean, I had one run. Uh, was it last race or two races ago where, okay, it starts, it's pulling me left. It's pulling me left. And then I'm making a pretty big adjustment. And then all of a sudden it makes a hard move left. Well, it was going that way. And then it drops a hole. And then I, I mean, by that time I, I lift, I got, I'm running (laughs) out of real estate. I'm full locked. This car's making a move left. I got probably six or eight feet to the center line, but I still got about 300 feet of track to go. Yeah. It's uh Funny cars, man. They're crazy. Yeah, I've heard of guys, like you said, like you got it fully locked. Like, I can't steer it anymore of them taking their hand off to shove the wheel even more. Like, I mean, yeah, who, yeah, I, that's way above my (laughs) expert level. I mean, on, on that level, I'm still rookie mode. But yeah, I, I guess if, you know, comes down like Sunday, like you're in the countdown, like you're going to figure out a way to steer the car. Yeah, you will be definitely more aggressive than you will in qualifying. Right, yeah. In qualifying, it makes a move like that. You just shut it off. But race day, you have a whole different mentality when you go to race day. You're so much more aggressive on the starting line, on driving the car, on everything that you – you from pedaling the car. Same, I mean, yep. same deal. Yep, yeah. It's uh, it's hard to get in that kind of mentality during qualifying to want to do that. It's where – you're so focused on just, like, not trying to upset the thing and qualify and just, like, oh, I want to hold it there, hold it there, and not yank it over. Where Sunday, like, steer the shit out of that thing. Right. And see, this is one thing that that I've uh, really thought is cool. And I watched the NASCAR race last week, and I thought it was badass. But they have all the in-car cameras that they have. And I think that there's so much stuff that's going on inside of a car of steering and and – Things that you try to explain, but it's really hard to explain. I mean, like when you're making a good run and all that clutch dust is coming in. <laughs> yeah. And it's the difference of when you're looking out the front of the windshield and it's sunny out and it's clear sky to all of a sudden it's like you put sunglasses on. Right, a black cloud inside Because your car. a black cloud just comes in of clutch dust. You know, and it's really hard when you go to a night run. And I learned that in Topeka where it's dark and then it gets darker. Yeah. To where you see a white wall and a white line, you're just praying you're keeping it in between that. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Sonoma last year. It's one of those like where the sun is kind of going down, like it's you know down to where we're running because you always have to wait in Sonoma until it gets to, down to a certain level. Yeah, or else it'll blind you. So like we're waiting for it to get down. Like it's still kind of up. So you got like a semi tinted shield on, which is driver preference, whatever. But like by the time you run, it's getting kind of dark. Then you get down track, and there's just so much clutch dust. Like, I really couldn't see the finish line cones. Right. So you, you're kind of, like, got that mental timer right. in, in your head. that you Might kind have of, drove it a little far. Right. But you kind of have that mental timer in your head that you kind of drive by where it's, like, that's about time to lift, and you just kind of guess lift. Right. Yeah, it's it, pretty gnarly. And you're hoping you're within 100 feet of one way or the other of the finish line. Right. But, yeah, I think stuff like that would be awesome to show, like, in-car cameras. Um, you know, have, make sure that all the drivers have radios, which they, they should anyways. Um, I think of, you know, it's kind of cool. Like a lot of times the communication that goes on between, uh, the crew chiefs and, and certain things that maybe the crew chiefs or, uh, Chad head will tell me on, you know, Hey, we're going to burn out here. We're going to run here, do this like burnout. Um, 
make sure you look for this, make sure you look for that. Hey, certain, there may be a bump on the outside. So we want you to keep it on the inside of the groove at 300 feet or 200 feet, or it, there's a bald spot here. But I think a lot of that communication that goes on between uh, the team, I think that that'd be really cool for a lot of the fans to hear and experience and really kind of grasp a lot more of the things that, that we go through or the things that we see or, or try to accomplish on a run. Um, but for sure, those, those in-car cameras uh, where they have like those visor cams at the NASCAR races. Um, I know they, one, I guess in particular, they, uh, when Danny Hamlin had his on, but it's just kind of seeing the, the gauges and watching his steering and kind of how he's going around and seeing the groove go, you know, where it goes up and he kind of follows it up and then takes a high line around some. I think that's just bitching. I think that'd be bitching to have in our sport more in-car camera stuff, show more of what the drivers are doing inside the race car. Yeah, that's. I definitely think we need to do that. Like, there's no reason we couldn't have that same camera set up on our shield like those guys do. I mean, then you could actually see, like, how uh, how difficult it is to drive a funny car with – it's blurry. You can't really see it because the body's moving around. Right. You can't the, – the windshield is only so big. The injector's in front of you. It's just – it's difficult. So, yeah, I like we had those those uh, camera glasses. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like Those were pretty cool, yeah. and I didn't mind wearing those because what I actually did on those, um, yeah, it's a little different feel because you have sunglasses on uh, essentially, but I popped the lenses out. So they were basically just – It's just a frame. Just a frame uh, with a camera in the middle of it. Um, and so we did that for testing, which I thought would have been cool to have on uh, race day or qualifying, be able to utilize that uh, that video stuff for uh, social media, for you know to maybe send to sponsors or you know what have you. But uh, those are deemed illegal. So here, <laughs> these <laughs> torchware, these right here, you can wear. This is legal. It's sunny out. <laughs> I put these on. This is legal. Well, it's safe because like you need to be able to see with the sun out. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> but if I had a camera right here. With no lenses. That's illegal. <laughs> Doesn't matter lenses or no lenses. So, if I'm wearing sunglasses. Safe. Legal. And you put your visor down. These fog up. Yeah. You have to really work hard <laughs> at putting dish soap. Wiping them off, making sure that these don't fog up. So these, put these on. These are legal. Fog up or not. Pop the lenses out, which would be safer, and put a camera right here. Illegal. Can't show that. And we can't get a real reason why they're not legal. Because of safety. That's what I'm asking. Well, how are they unsafe compared to sunglasses or eyeglasses? Which I, I because used to they got wear, a camera on. Them. Like I got prescription eyeglasses at the beginning of last year. I wear contacts. Now. Those are legal. Yeah, and they suck ass because they fog up, like you said. Correct. Like you have to have the fresh air on on your helmet the whole time. Right. Or you can't see. So if you're in a dragster, you're screwed. Right. But if you put a camera on them, they're illegal because that's safety. Okay, but you can mount a big GoPro. Tech right guy, tell me the difference on why my eyeglasses are safe. But if you have a GoPro that's about that big, yeah, you can mount it right next to your head, and that's that's safe with a hose clamp. With a hose clamp, <laughs> yeah, it's not even worth arguing about. <laughs> it's just sometimes I just of, thought that was fun. It's one of those things that makes you go. And we, hmm. and, and we had to get 
torch in there. Yeah, yeah. Torch torch hooked us up with uh, sunglasses. We're so. gonna have a link on our website here soon. We'll have uh, some sunglasses on here to show you as soon as well. Yeah. But yeah, thank you, Torch. You guys hey. are looking for some cool sunglasses. Go check them out. Yeah, for sure. Keeps us. Uh, we're not blinded. Let's uh let's answer some questions. Our our web guy, by the way, Alton. So we need to uh, mention our website, drive in some traffic, which we have plenty of uh, apparel for sale on there. Yep. Go check it out. Hats, shirts, stickers. Uh, stickers. Um, yeah, so com. Yep. And uh, Alton, who did our site, built our site. Check him out. Alton at BigFishTools.com. He can hook you guys up with a website. Good price. But, uh, yeah, on a, on our website, you can sign up for a newsletter. That'll get emailed to you every time we're going to do a show. So, like, you don't have to, you know, keep checking in, following, see when we're going to do one because we tell him and then he sends out a, a newsletter. Right. And we try to do it biweekly. And, you know, I know a little bit's been on me because I I was traveling last week. and yeah, Screwing so we, up the program. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that that's that's on me. Um, went and did some bracket racing. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to do it this week. Uh, well, obviously, we're doing it today. Uh, sorry, and then plan on doing one next week, and then we're going to try to do one next week. So we'll bring you a little bit more, um, give you a little bit uh, after Denver, give you some cool stuff about Denver. Denver's going to be a badass race. Um, I know all the the guys have been at the shop changing everything over for for Denver, um, but I mean, you could definitely check out our YouTube channel, Nomex Effect. Uh, check out our Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Um, iTunes. Def- yep, iTunes, SoundCloud. You could definitely uh, keep up with the podcast, Facebook Live. So yeah. we're trying to, trying to bring some cool stuff to you guys. Absolutely. And Alton had a question. He wanted to know, Jim Dunn does like a really short burnout, like just basically like slaps the throttle and that's it. Right. And said that, you know, we all run the same tires and doesn't matter how hot they get and why we do a longer burnout and this and that, which I didn't want to answer him until we did the show. The burnout that we do, say in the DHL car, is basically based on track temp. Correct. If it's hot out, like I'm going to do a real short burnout. Not probably as short as Jim Dunn, but pretty short. If it's cooler out, night time, whatever, the track's cooler, like you do a little longer burnout, build up some heat. Right. So now there's there's also different uh, things about that as well. So there will be some instances, like if you're on a night run or uh, you're, say, fir- say, first out, uh, in dragster Sunday morning, um, you may run in your track. Exactly. But when you go to a hotter track, uh, the rubber's going to get ripped up a little bit easier, so you're not going to run in your track because typically where you do your burnout, uh, it's going to pull that rubber up, so it's going to create a bald spot. So you may do your burnout on the inside uh, and then run to the outside or you know, vice versa. And, it, and that's kind of where all the Toyota TRD um, with JP out there uh, and, and Chad head out there as well. And the crew chiefs, they all go out there and kind of determine where the best place, uh, for us to leave the starting line is, um, where the most rubber is, uh, where the, the kind of the, I guess the grippiest spot. Right. Um, but yeah, so you, now it's kind of funny because you look at a lot of that and obviously tire temp is a big thing. Um, you know, obviously the hotter, the tires, the, uh, probably going to smoke the tires. Um, so yeah, you go to a hot track, you shorten up your burnout, you go to a colder track, you do a little longer burnout. Um, but you kind of want to maintain a little bit of consistency as far as tire temperature. 
but you also kind of want to kind of play the game a little bit of how hot the track is. Right. Now, you say that, and then you see somebody go out there and, like, maybe John Force might blister off a, a 200-foot burnout on a hot track, and the fans will go nuts, and then the dude will go out there and make a haul-ass run. So, you know, it's... Right. Each team's also different because nobody does the same length burnout, and they, they kind of tune around how you do that type of thing. Correct. Yeah, so, you know, typically, uh, I guess on, on my end is what they say is, you know, you do your length burnout, and then you kind of try to maintain that consistency for the weekend. So there's some tracks like Indy, for instance, from the water box to the starting line is a lot longer right. than what, uh, say, uh, Denver may be. But you go to Denver, and it's like you hit the gas, and then it's about the time like where, say, my ass is kind of going across the beams is typically where I lift. Um, but then I wouldn't do that same burnout in Indy because if I ran it out that far, it'd probably be a second-and-a-half longer burnout. So it kind of changes track to track. But you kind of have, like I said, it goes back to the mental timer. Right, yeah. It seems like every place we go is different from water box to the starting line. Like Charlotte, like it's way short, it seems like. And you're going uphill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's a, you kind of hit that little bit of a crown right there. Right. So it's a little different. So, yeah, to answer your question, like, yeah, I mean, burnouts do matter. And Jim Dunn's consistent on the same burnout wherever he does. But for him, it's just all about consistency and probably saving parts and what have you yeah saving saving parts you know tires right uh, fuel yeah exactly there's they're saving a lot of fuel and everything by doing that right so there obviously there's everybody kind of has their own way yep and so you kind of but the biggest thing is is whatever you do just do the same thing every time right yeah it's all about being consistent so all right, we got a question here. What about the cooling system in Denver? Should all tracks have that? I wish they did. Yeah. I mean, if that's obviously a, a big investment Yes, for a racetrack uh, to, to put forth uh, that amount of money to do that, um, which obviously we, uh, you know, thank the Bandemir family for, for, you know, putting that kind of money into their track because that's uh, obviously – a huge factor especially when the track temperatures get as hot as they do right uh but to be able to control the starting line temperature i mean that's game changer stuff right there it's made that place way better that once again like that's one of the toughest places that we raise but it's also one of the best surfaces that we run on you right. wouldn't expect that at a place like that right yeah so you know obviously it's it's hard to make power up there there's so many you change everything in your car uh but they provide the one of the coolest facilities that you're you're up on the on the hill at the racetrack and then you just I mean you can look for as far as you can see you know just off of the mountain um it's 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 a badass place man but yeah that's uh I mean if if all tracks did that they'd be spending a lot of money but it'd definitely be a game changer I know somebody that wouldn't like if every track did that because it it would take the uniqueness away from the characteristics away from the tracks. Who's that? I'm not going to mention him. We've already talked about him. Oh, Cruz Pedregon. <laughs> yeah, no, you. I mean, it. But it's the same for everybody. Yeah, it, it was just things like that provide for better racing. Right, and I, and I, 
cuts down. I mean, even if even if you do something like that and it cuts down on the starting line is going to last longer for one. Correct. But it cuts down on four tire smokes. Yeah. That's a better show. Yeah, we're not there. Like the starting line isn't like greasy gooey as JP's always calling it. Yeah. It's nice and tight. Right. Exactly. So the more cars that go down the racetrack, it's a better show for the fans. We're in the entertainment business. <laughs> yes, we are. We are there to entertain the fans. Tire smoking runs, okay, like one out of, you know, every so often is cool. Right. When it happens, like, when two cars make it down in one session, one out of each class, that's not entertainment. Right. So you go to, you go, uh, maybe a little different for Sunday because you're actually getting the guys to pedal and you get the right. pedal fest. But in qualifying, no. If, if guys are constantly smoking the tires... There is nothing good about that, you know, and, and now you're going to have, you're going to have that crew chiefs are pushing it. But when it becomes a thing of 70% of the cars are smoking the tires, that's a problem. Not that many people got that dumb overnight, but when majority of the cars are making runs down the track, it's a better show for the fans. Yep. So I think that, you know, having, having that would a cooling system would definitely help on all ends of the spectrum on, on that. Um, but you know, I, going to different tracks, changing things, you know, obviously it's a little tougher for the crew chiefs, but I think it, it kind of shows, uh, the crew chiefs that are able to make changes more, right. Being able to adapt to certain, uh, racetracks. So I don't know hundred percent disagree with it, but I, I definitely do think that you got to get away from, these cars smoking the tires and qualifying. Yes. Like you said, when 75% of the teams are smoking the tires in a session, like, okay, like not every crew chief got stupid right, right away. Like something's going on. Yeah. I mean, not that many people miss it now, you know, uh, obviously in, in certain situations, I mean, you prime example, you go to like a Friday night session, you're going to have some teams that are smoking the tires, but that's because they're pushing it too hard. That's just that's drag- or they didn't get after it enough or they didn't get after it enough. Exactly. But, um, you know, I, I think that sometimes the detriment to the Friday night session is when somebody early goes out there and makes a bomb run and goes low. Yeah. Then everybody like, else after that starts turning knobs. And then sometimes that kind of hurts it as well, because it's like everybody's like, oh, well, he just went out there and went 372. Right. We can go 368. Right. Wrong. Which Not, that, that's good. I like when the tracks like that. Yeah, because it, 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 it's it's awesome. Because I I like the those one up sessions, right? Where you got these guys going out there, and this guy makes a good run, then the next guy, then and it's like you know it's kind of like a one upper. I mean that's that's awesome. And then you wait for that last pair. You're gonna stay to watch that last pair. Oh damn right. Because you want to see that run. Right. So yeah, what? absolutely. But that's entertainment. Yeah, that's entertainment at its best. That's drag racing at its best. Yes, sir. So. Yeah, if more tracks want to put those uh, those water coolers, we'll definitely uh, put those water coolers in. Make it maybe smooth, like Virginia. I mean, if you guys want to put a thousand foot of water coolers, we wouldn't say anything bad about it. In an all concrete track, yes. That's just dreaming right there. All right, <laughs> uh, you need to get a racetrack, Jr. Yeah, I mean, dig up one of those holes in my backyard. It's full of money. <laughs> Go get one of the money trees. 
All right, here we go. Ron Mangus said, hey, Sean, talk about your junior days at Bandamere. Yeah, you had a pretty good run there at Bandamere back in the day. Ron, what's up? I was there for that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, Ron's son, Ryan, won the Jegs All-Stars this year. In a car that's not even his. In Jegs' car. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we... uh, Yeah, that was cool, man. Way back, uh, shoot, that was 1997. Was that uh, the first year that it was not at Indy? So that was the first year that I went. Oh, it was? Yeah. Uh, the year before, I believe, was maybe in Texas. Okay, that sounds right. Yeah, Dallas. And I think before that they had it in Indy. Yeah, like it was always in Indy before that. And then we went 97. I think they took the junior. And that was when everybody went to one. Where they didn't have right, it. Yeah, there weren't so many kids back then, but there are a lot. Right. And um, so, yeah, we went to uh, Denver. And I think 98, 99 went back to Indy. And then in 2000, went back to Denver. I was done once they split it. Yeah, so I think was 2000 the first year that they did the split? Sounds about right. I think that, that might have been. But, yeah, no, I, I was uh, 1997 in the 14-year-old class. Um, man, uh, we we had a uh, what team was I on? Was I on? I think I was on. Uh, Dude, were you on Rialto? Team Rialto. That was like the dream team. Team Rialto, and we had. Uh, I was in the final. Um, Kyle Rizzoli was in the final. Was Dell on your team? Um, I think Dell was on Pomona, maybe. Okay, but so I think that year was the year that he. He ran Sean Bellamere in the final, wasn't it? Yeah, because he beat me in the quarterfinals. Right. So Sean Bellamere raced alcohol funny car now. Um, Kyle Rizzoli uh, races uh, anything. Yeah, anything and everything. Stock, super stock, super comp. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, – I, I think – I can't remember how it worked, but we ended up winning the team championship as well. So I think it was like maybe when I had won that – tied it and then Kyle won it had won it or uh, something vice versa or something like that but uh but yeah no we had a we had a pretty pretty neat team that was cool because we had a great year where a lot of like we all raced at the same track uh you know Dell Cox had won uh Dell had you know he he won the IHRA championship in top fuel yeah uh, raced a little bit in uh in, in NHRA top fuel a couple races um yeah it was kind of trying to think um who else? Who else did good that year? There's. I remember some of my buddies from back here, like Aaron Glasser, and Tony Sarvis from Florida. Like they, like somehow we became buddies with uh, guys like. Uh, oh, can't even think of his Jeff Nelson. Yep. So we're they were going to stay at his house. I think he lived in Riverside. Yep. His yep. dad's house, and like I wanted to go to California so bad. Never been before. I was like. 14, 15 years old. So parents were like, hey, if you win the race, like you can go to California with those guys. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, like, I'm going to win now. Got beat by Dell. I was so damn mad, but worked out. I got to go to California anyway. Like That was a pretty serious road trip with Stan Boyd and Jeff Nelson, <laughs> those guys. It was, uh, Man, that's bringing back some names. Yeah, it, it was pretty fun. Yeah, that, uh, see, that's crazy because like, so many uh, – remember when you and Eddie rolled the golf cart at Denver – Nope. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope, nope. 
Shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's it's that junior deal was so awesome back in the day. It was so cool. Like, I mean, some of my best friends still today are all the the, the guys that I grew up racing with. Um, just so many great memories from the junior stuff. Like you said, just you know, meeting. You know, that's how how we met was, was right uh, through the junior stuff way back twenty years ago. I know it's crazy and, that it was that long ago. Damn, now we're teammates driving top fuel funny cars, man. Yep. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's funny how that works. I, a junior uh, deal in Bristol starts this weekend, which pretty big deal for all the kids out there. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a cool place, man. I mean, uh, that was always one cool thing that I loved when I was growing up. And, I mean, I'm sure you as well. You racing out here in Indy and me racing at Pomona. And I always thought that that was so cool, man, was like that I'd go out there and I'd watch the the Winter Nationals. And then, like, two or three weeks later, I'm out there racing on the same, same track, track yeah. that Joe Amato and Kenny Bernstein were racing on. Like, I'm sitting there, like, doing my burnout thinking, like, man, these guys, like, just did a burnout here a couple of weeks ago. Right. Like, that's so badass. That that was a cool thing for me when I got to go to California that year is you guys raced Pomona, like, the week after the junior nationals and we all went out there and watched you guys like man this is so awesome we're in pomona like watching you know a top fuel and everybody on on tv then to be here like this is like the coolest track in the world like i don't know i'll never forget those times i just thought that was so badass yeah. like you take you kind of take it for granted like growing up in indy and you know racing at irp every week as your your home track and that's the biggest stage in drag racing right and i and i still remember that uh so yeah we went 1997 went to denver had won that and then in 1998 i had actually lost in the semis uh to the guy that i beat in the final the year before uh jason klein i believe was his name i remember that name yeah and um but the the following year 1999 i remember being at indy and and my dad and i were leaving indy track and i remember leaving and he had said uh, just you know it's kind of weird how like little things stick in your head 20 years later but he, I remember leaving the track, and he said, well, take uh, look back and take one more look. He goes, "That this may be the last time you ever see this track. Right. And it's like, man, I, and I kind of, like, looked back and, like, took it all in. It was like, wow, this is this is awesome, you know, that, like, racing on this racetrack and, and racing at the national championships for the juniors. And, and then it's like, hell, eight years later, I end up moving out here, or nine years later, whatever, moving out here. Starting a top fuel career. Yeah, we went in there again. Yeah, it's like, man, it's awesome. Cool. <laughs> it's cool shit, man. Yeah, man. Well, what else? You got anything? Nah, I think, man, we're good. We uh, answer all the questions. Yeah, yeah, so make sure you guys uh, check in. Um, check out the uh, the website, nomexfect.com. Sign up on uh, YouTube. Um, oh, one more thing. I forgot our uh, Pick the Pros deal that... <laughs> Yeah, okay, so we got something to admit. Uh, I got something to admit. I, I messed up. This was going back to uh, after Chicago, which is four races in a row. You know, you forget some shit. And that, like, you're kind of busy. You're yeah. driving back and forth because we drove to most of those races. Correct. Our yeah. pick the pros was for uh, Virginia, I think. For Virginia. And we forgot. And we forgot. So, so uh, somebody picked the winners, picked the pros, and... We, we just completely forgot about it. So I think – do you have the name on Yeah, it? Mike Hedworth. I'll post it on Twitter and Facebook. Since we forgot – well, we usually give away a T-shirt. Yeah. Like, I'm going to 
throw a hat, some stickers, and whatever else in there. Yeah, for sure. That's that'd be my bad. So I don't know. Maybe we'll do that again here soon. Yeah. Uh, try not to forget. <laughs> <laughs> try not to get so busy, man. Like being on the road so much, and then just racing all the time. You just try to keep up with it all. Sometimes it's tough. So I mean, if if we do in the future, if we do a uh, pick the pros. And we don't, and you don't see a winner posted by Monday or Tuesday. Just yeah, maybe tweet at us yeah, or, or hey, Facebook you idiots. us. Hey, dumbasses! Right, I'm surprised no one said anything. Honestly, yeah, something made me think of it today. But yeah, we'll uh, get us your information. We'll get that stuff sent out to you. Absolutely, cool. But uh, yeah, tune in uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, we'll do another show for you guys. We'll uh, go over Denver. Uh, Go over uh, potential header changes. Uh, go over anything Cruz Pedregon has to say back to us. Yeah, because like, what, he's still gonna have a show tomorrow, maybe. Yeah. So you know, we'll do we'll do a little plug. Tune in to Cruz, see what he says. We can't tell you the name of the show because when I watched Cruz, couldn't even remember the name. So just go to his Facebook page; you'll find it. Yeah, we even tweeted that like whatever Cruz was saying. I think he still maybe has a concussion from Virginia because he started talking a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. But it's okay, Cruz. We love you. It's all in good fun, buddy. We'll yeah. see you in Denver. <laughs> but yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Tune in. All right, guys.